Thanks for listening to The Issue Podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to catch our new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. For more of The Issue and access to our top bets and fantasy updates, then subscribe to The Issue Miked Up. Link is on our website, which can be found in the bio of our Instagram, which is at the underscore issue podcast, and our Twitter, which is just at the issue podcast. New subscription episodes come out every Friday. Guys, thank you so much for listening to The Issue. You are now locked in and listening to The Issue. You look at this schedule. Find me the wins here. Find me the wins. You've got to be delusional if you think he's elite. Well, from what I'm seeing right now, he's a top 10 guy in this league, no doubt. Absolutely, I think they can be for a championship. I, I don't even think that's a, a debate I'm willing to, to have. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is Thursday, January 27th, and we have another episode of The Issue. It is playoff time. We got a lot of great content, lists to go over, rankings to do, coaching carousel to preview. How many? We have three lists in this this episode. Big list show, right? You know? That's what the people want to see. People like rankings. It stirs the pot. It you does. Know? Um, it, it provokes comments on social media. It gives us a chance to do some ice cold takes. It, it yeah. gives us a lot of uh, a lot of rain here at the show. So um, yeah, it's going to be a good episode, nevertheless. So we're going to start off with a, a rant. We have um, a more of a, know, pro- it's, it's, a positive rant. I would say I, emotional. I, a, maybe. a eulogy is for like a someone who who dies, but yeah. it's a professional eulogy to to yours truly, number seven, Big Ben Roethlisberger. I'll get into it in a little bit. Keep going, keep going. Yeah, uh, and then we're gonna come out of that. We're gonna get into uh, ranking our top four quarterbacks, ranking the top four teams that are remaining. Obviously, obviously the playoff teams, playoff quarterbacks. Obviously, hits and misses per use. Per yep. use. And you, um, you can bank on that every week. No, it, it's going to be really good. And then pre or not previewing, but recapping all of the games uh, from this last weekend, and they were fantastic. I, I, I think that was the best weekend of football I've ever watched. Especially the Bills and Chiefs game. We'll get uh, deep into all of them and, and get into what happened uh, from the divisional round. But let's start off. Uh, ben Roethlisberger retires after 18 seasons in Pittsburgh. Uh, um, great NFL career. Uh, did a lot for the community. It was it was a tough one. Um, I mean, we knew it was coming, but like, whenever it's made official, it uh, I don't know if the stings is the right word, but it really forces you to kind of look back over your time, you know, with that person, whether they're retiring or you know they just doesn't matter, doesn't matter. This is my little you know professional eulogy to Big Ben. He's all I've known as a as a Steelers quarterback. Drafted in two thousand four, I was I was born in one so. He's pretty much all. I, trust me, when I was two years old, I didn't remember Tommy Maddox sucking really bad for us. Didn't remember it. I don't remember Tommy Maddox folding in the playoffs. I I've watched the clips. I've heard about it. Didn't see it. Big Ben is has been the the, the cornerstone of not only my favorite franchise in the history of sports, 
but one of the most winning franchises in the history of sports over, especially over the last two decades, with him at the helm for 18 of those 20 years. Historically, phenomenal culture. Phenomenal. And Big Ben came in and it, it almost seemed he elevated it. He changed it for the better. He brought in the, the grit. Yeah, it was there, but never from a, oh, I don't know, 6'5", 250-pound quarterback. He changed the game of football. You think Josh Allen would be a quarterback right now if it wasn't for Big Ben? I don't think so. You think, you think Justin Herbert, people would be looking for the next Justin Herbert? They used to say they're looking for the next Big Ben. That's what it used to be. Small town Ohio goes to small school Miami of Ohio. People are like, they have a football program? Yeah, they did. They do. Well, they do. You know, Big Ben transformed that school. Rewrote the entire record book there. Came to Pittsburgh. Rewrote the entire record book here. He owns 40-plus Steelers records. Every major quarterback record. Oh, and by the way, that's a franchise. This isn't the Bears who had Sid Luckman thrown for seven touchdowns in a season and called it a record. That'd be Chicago. Right? It's not like he went to Chicago who has no record of a good quarterback. Oh, no, the, they, they had Terry Bradshaw, who was a, a, a gold jacket Hall of Famer. Even Cordell Stewart, who, yeah, it didn't pan out as in a Hall of Fame-type career, but he put up stats. He put up stats. They were all shattered. Most of them. He was an exemplary teammate. I, there, there's things that he, that he does that you can't really explain. I think that's the mark of a great quarterback. Like, for example, Eli Manning, right? If he doesn't escape that pile and chuck it downfield... For David Tyree to make the helmet catch. Do you think of Eli Manning as the same quarterback? Because that means he probably doesn't win that Super Bowl. That means he only beats Brady once in kind of like a fluke season. Is he the same quarterback? No. It's the same exact thing with Big Ben. If he doesn't make the best throw in the history of throws to Santonio Holmes. In the tightest window I've ever seen. It got over two different defenders hands. By less than five inches apiece. Into the only possible spot with a couple inches margin of error on either side for San Antonio Holmes to catch that football. And then you think back, you're like, oh no, he's got a ton of moments like that. How about when Jerome Bettis, who was ready re- ready to retire, bags were packed. Big Ben said, no, 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 come on back. Rookie Big Ben just finished his rookie season. Says, no, 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 come on back for one more, and I promise you you're hoisting the Lombardi at the end of it. You know what happens in the divisional round of that season? Jerome Bettis takes a halfback dive to the right side of the, over the right guard. Gets hit. Ball pops out. Jerome Bettis doesn't fumble. He's one of the most sure-handed running backs in the history of the league. Ball pops out. They're about to return it for a touchdown. It's on the goal line. Big Ben's the only person in the backfield to tackle him. Nobody's going to catch this guy. It's a DB who picks up the football. He's gone. He's gone. Big Ben, whirling and twirling, makes a shoestring tackle. Just because he wanted it more. Because that's the teammate Big Ben was. Because he wasn't going to let Jerome walk away from football and walk away from that season without hoisting a Lombardi trophy. Without that play, there there is no go to Denver the next week and win on the road for the third straight time in the playoffs to then go to the Super Bowl. There is no Super Bowl to win. I'd argue if they don't win that, 
Who knows if they get back to another one? Winning a Super Bowl is franchise-changing for the next couple years. Who knows if they even get to that one where they beat Arizona? Altered the course of his career. There's one, one little tackle in the biggest stage of his career up to that point. How about he takes over for Tommy Maddox, wins 13 straight games to open his rookie year. Loses in the AFC Championship to Tom Brady. Okay? The, this is a Patrick Mahomes-esque start to his career. Do we, do we, do we understand this? He's going to go down. He, first ballot. It's not even a 20, what, 2027, 20, I believe. You could just, in ink right now, you could just write it down in Sharpie. Ben Roethlisberger's. You can start building his bus now if you want. We could really refine it and make it look really good. I mean, little plays throughout his career that, that stand up. Throwing it to A.B. who stretches his hand across the goal line in Baltimore. Or at home against Baltimore, I'm sorry. Throw to Mike Wallace against Green Bay. He had a special quality. He just didn't let you lose. He didn't let you lose. Even down to this last season. How in God's name was that was that team in the playoffs? Can't run the football. Utterly horrific offensive line. The defense stepped up late, but throughout the season was horrifically inconsistent. His wide receivers were making TikToks and couldn't catch the football. Man, they're 9-7-1, they're in the playoffs. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, I, there, there's never going to be another 7. There's n- the, the number should be retired as soon as it's allowed to be retired. I don't know what the, the rules are there, but it should be retired as soon as humanly possible. He's a, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's always going to be my Steelers quarterback. Every time you say Steelers, I, it's just going to be Big Ben. It's just going to pop into your head. He should probably go down as one of the best dealers of all time. If not the best, I'd argue the best. Now, did he bring as many championships as Bradshaw? No. But to give 18 years of his life to this city, to these fans, to that team, it's truly special. It's truly special. I don't have a whole lot else to say. Um, I mean, like I said, Hall of Famer should be viewed as a top 15 to 20 quarterback of all time. I could argue you into top 10. It's a great career. We knew it was over a while ago, but I mean, to, to put the icing on the cake, it's finally done. Big Ben is retired, and who knows where the Steelers are going to go? Who knows? Um, yeah, I, I think it has to probably be a uh, some sort of a sigh of relief for him, too. You know, I mean, he had... 18 years of, of brutal football, of, of being the captain and carrying that weight of a franchise. Um, so, you know, hopefully he, he takes his time and decompresses, relaxes a little bit. I'd love to see him do some stuff with maybe some Pittsburgh sports media he's hinted at. Um, he, even going on a, a bigger program, I, I think would be really cool to see him continue with football in a way. Um, and he is so smart. And I think that's some of the – I think that's where most of his value came, especially in those last couple of years, years there yeah. where he uh, where he couldn't do as much physically, you know, move the pocket and, and keep plays alive. But what he was able to strategize, break down, he's probably one of the best cerebral quarterbacks up there with, with Brady, with Manning, with, with Drew Brees. They're all in the same category. Um, and, you know, you think about Big Ben, you think about a lot of winning. He won a lot here. Uh, so – Thank him for that, and uh, you know it was a great career, and and definitely remember all those all those games from growing up where he was just 
electric. I, you, you mentioned this, the Super Bowl winning catch from Santonio Holmes in the back of the end zone. That doesn't get made throw. if that if that ball's not in the perfect spot. Um, he was a surgeon, but he would also run people over early in his career, uh, much like a Josh Allen. So right. he might regret it now. <laughs> yeah, uh, all the all the the, the bruises and, and the beating he took, but God, there was just nothing like Prime Big Ben. No, I mean, go for those of you who might be like too young to remember. And we're we're borderline too young to remember. Sometimes I go look at some some clips from like 2006. I was like five years old, right? I mean, the athleticism, the strength—you couldn't get him to the ground. No, I, I I think I think about that that practice drill where they're they're throwing the pads and you have to like avoid them and, and slip through. And he's, and he's just going after them and whacking all them all. And I mean, might as well he was practicing for the game because he goes into contact. I swear to God, um, I, I think. There's a couple different ways to get in the Hall of Fame, and I think Ben checks every box, right? Championships. If you have a lot of championships, you should probably go to the Hall of Fame. Check. Ben's got it. Stats. He's top 10 in pretty much every major category. Check. Um, and then there's another, there's another way. Changing the game or being the best at something, right? Like Steph Curry, regardless of how many championships he had won, He's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame because he changed the way basketball is played. I mean, nobody shoots the ball like Steph. I mean, you don't even like basketball, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah there, there's a reason for that because of Steph Curry, right? LeBron even changed the right? – so there's, there's players that change the way the game is played. And I think Ben and, – and he is, quote, the best at something, right? Ray Allen, the best three-point shooter, right? Um, Jerry Rice, the best wide receiver. Yes, he's got the stats go, but Ben has three different ways you can get into the Hall of Fame, being – you know, deemed the best at blank. It doesn't have to be for a whole position, but the best at not going down, right? The most physical quarterback. Insert Big Ben. Insert Big Ben. In the history of the game so far, absolutely he's the most physical quarterback. So I don't even, I don't think it's, listen to the answer. I don't even think it's a debate I'm willing to have right yeah. now. Yeah. It's really not. No. Yeah. And how cool was it that we were there for the uh, the last, the, the, final... the final home game at Hinesfield? Uh it is, uh, that was a special moment. That really was. was. Going, coming out of the tunnel, I mean, the stadium was vibrating. It mm-hmm. was vibrating under my feet. It was insane. Um, Even though my feet were numb, it was like four degrees. Yeah, and that's how much it was vibrating. We right. could feel it through <laughs> our numb feet. Uh, on, so, a, on a much less serious note, it's going to be hits and, yeah. hits and misses like normal. Uh, the divisional round today to review. So let's go. All right, hits. Let's go with San Francisco. I. This is mostly a personal hit, but you've you've also liked. Uh, San no, this Fran. is a personal hit. I mean, I, Mo- I bet yeah. against them last week. You took them to the NFC Championship game. You got this one. I said they'd go to that, at least to the NFC Championship game. Uh, maybe maybe later in the week we'll find the clip for you where I actually say it. I say at least to the to the championship game. And now that they have the Rams as a matchup, I think they're going to the Super Bowl. They own Sean McVay and the Rams. And I said it from about week 13 or 14. I said, watch out for San Fran. I'd want no part of them. And then somewhere around week 17 or 18, I said, they have a chance to make a run. And then as soon as they won the first playoff game, I said, oh, they're going to the Super Bowl. And I have them going to the Super Bowl. Um, And God, the offense isn't pretty, but they run the football. They have a really good special teams, a clever head coach. The defensive line is a menace. Uh, San Fran, we did the box check game, checks so many boxes, and they're playing so well, and I had called it all along. Misses, so to even out, you know, that was a personal hit for me. Let's have a personal miss, throw it on my uh, shoulders here. Tennessee, 
Um, I didn't expect them to get Derrick Henry back and have success running the football. And then while you're having success running the football, just completely abandon it and start throwing the ball with Ryan Tannehill. Um, I don't know why you had him throwing so much. And, uh, oh, well, he has three picks. I thought Derrick Henry should have ran the ball more. Technically, uh, it looks like they were pretty even on it. But they were there running the football, running the football, running the football. And then they were just like, no, let's just start throwing it. And what do you know? They got punished with three Ryan Tannehill interceptions. I, I, I've said it from the beginning. If you want to be special in this league, you have to be special. You have to, if you want to win at any level um, outside of like five games a year, right? If you want to be in the playoff hunt, if you want to be in the playoffs, no, you don't have to win. I know you're really, yeah, yeah. You have you have to be special at quarterback. I mean, look at the guys that are left right now. Jimmy G's not special, but I would argue his knack for winning is special. Does he do anything on the field that overwhelms you? No. But do you look up and he wins 80% of the games? Yes. Has he been to the NFC Championship two years? His only two healthy years in San Francisco? Absolutely he has. So you can't argue with that. Mahomes is special. Uh, even Josh Allen, who got knocked out, is special. Stafford special. Joe Burrow special. You have to be special. All right, hits. Let's go with the Rams. We both called the Rams to win, um, and that would we both up we picked the upset. And uh, if it wasn't for a Sony Michelle fumble at the end of the first half, they could have went into half up thirty-five to three. Instead, they went in twenty-seven to three, and then it allowed the um, Tampa Bay to kind of climb back into it a little bit because there was a couple more fumbles in the second half. But I would say LA thoroughly dominated about about three quarters of that football game. Yeah, uh, they played really good football. They're moving on. Matt Stafford's really good. Period. Okay. Misses. Um, I, I did predict that this would happen, but three out of the four quarterbacks that we had, um, you know, in our in our top, you know, top four, right? So Aaron, Josh Allen, and um, I believe Brady was in there. So it was a uh, three out of the five. I'm sorry. Um, are eliminated. So doesn't bode well. The only two quarterbacks that are left of our top five are Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. But to, in Josh Allen's defense, he got beat, you know, by Joe Burrow, who's already in the top five. Yeah, and Josh and Brady, Allen. Right, and yeah, Josh Allen, yeah. And then um, Brady lost to Matt Stafford, who's just outside. He was at, like, I think six, right? So it's not like they lost to any scrubs. But to be fair, uh, quarterbacks determine winning, and three out of our top five lost. So that's a miss. Uh, hits. How about our mic'd up bets? If you guys listened to the mic'd up episode this past week, we gave our bets for the divisional round. I gave you six bets, some prop bets as well. Um, and what do you know? Four out of the six hits. We went four and two. I believe I said Jimmy G under passing yards. I had Evans scoring a touchdown. Mike Evans, he scored a touchdown. I already said Jimmy G. Um, the San Francisco plus five and a half. Absolutely. And the Bills Chiefs um, to score more than 10 points. I believe it was the first quarter. They scored 14. That hit. Uh, the two we didn't we didn't hit on was Debo. I had Debo Samuel scoring a touchdown. I thought that would be a lock because um, he's their most productive offensive piece, but didn't work out because it was zero degrees, right? And then the Derrick Henry plus the Titans win. I was feeling pretty good um, about Derrick Henry. I think it was like either a touchdown or over 100 yards, and then the Titans winning. Unfortunately, that didn't pan out. Uh, but it's okay. You win some, you lose some. But overall, four and two, you like to see it. All right, misses. Let's go with Green Bay. So 
this is kind of for both of us. You because you bet them this week. Yeah. To beat San Fran, I obviously called San Fran, so that's not what I'm referring to. I just we I had them at one in the uh, in the power rankings because I still think having the best quarterback, having a coach of the year candidate, the top receiver, a really good running back, a great culture, being at home, a good offensive line. Right, I was calling the upset. But that doesn't mean that Green Bay shouldn't have been the number one team, right? right. You can be the number one in power ranking, but, but I not still, win your game, a, make mistakes, right, and lose. So I'm trying to frame the top teams what, objectively, right? Yeah. But it's a subjective thing to call games, right? To, to predict game. Like, I'm predicting it's my opinion on the game. But I'm trying to be as objective as I can when it comes to rankings. And I still had Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers as the number one quarterback and the number one uh, team. Both of those flopped. Uh, I, I, I thought pretty much... You know, week 10 on, they looked like the best team in the league. But I do worry um, a little bit going forward when it comes to uh, next season. Who knows? But this season, they let me down a little bit, even though I called San Fran. So thank you, San Fran. Um, you're going to the NFC Championship. I'm going to have you going to the Super Bowl. That is it for segment number one. Come back. We'll review all the games from the divisional round. We'll talk a little bit of what Buffalo could have done differently to win that football game and then we'll obviously get into our nfl teams and our top four quarterbacks tim from the issue here we'll talk to you a little bit about phoenix supplements spelled f n x pronounced phoenix just ordered some i got some coming in the mail go get your creatines go get your glutamines anything that you need to achieve your fitness goal is available on phoenix.com use the code TJ2022. They make great gifts as well. Go out, check it out, order all Phoenix stuff, phoenix.com, and use the code TJ2022. All right, we are back. Second segment issue. Beautiful. Actually, not really beautiful, but it's a Thursday nonetheless. Um, it's about, what, four degrees outside. I woke up this morning. It was negative 10. Um, so it's getting a little chilly. <laughs> I heard it was negative 21 here at four in the morning. I mean, that's brutal. I mean, that's brutal. Uh, my roommate was telling me how he's walking back from, uh, I believe, the gym, and or walking to the gym, I'm sorry, this morning, and uh, his eyelids, the, the, the water, tears, whatever, was freezing in his eyes. I swear to God, he said it's, it's not froze. Sorry, it's kind of gross, but it's true. It's that cold. Um, My hair out, froze this morning. Looking I outside, showered. looking outside, a lot of snow as well. We probably still have about a foot on the ground almost. Yeah. Um, I showered a little too late this morning. Didn't plan uh, enough time uh, to dry off. Right. Well, like for your hair to fully dry. You know what I mean. You, you right. get out of the shower. It's damp for probably what fifteen to twenty minutes. It was one of those mornings I was in a pinch, showered, threw some clothes on, ran out the door, got to my car, and my hair was actually, like, like frozen. Like, like, there were crunchy, strands of it. Right. That were, uh, horrible morning. Started off very cold. But, you know what? It's a, it's a good it's a good time to talk sports now. That's true. Um, let's talk about all those games over the weekend. Let's go in order of the games. It's kind of hard to remember, you know, all the way back to Cincinnati and, and Tennessee, but it's possible so let's do it um so tennessee kind of well i guess cincinnati kind of jumped out to a lead or tennessee kind of gave them an early lead like <laughs> ryan Tannehill, first play of the game pick don't know what he was thinking on the throw bad but then tennessee started to get a little bit of a running game kept it a little bit close right cincinnati then kind of started running away with it and then tennessee made it really close in the third into the fourth quarter 
and then Ryan Tannehill does what Ryan Tannehill does best, turn the football over in a crucial moment. Yep. And the rookie kicker, Evan McPherson, nails a, what, 52-yarder or a 50-yarder on the road in the divisional round as a rookie. Ice in his veins. He actually said to Joe Burrow before he went on the field, he said, well, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game. Before he even made the kick, because he knew that they gave him the opportunity to make the kick, and he's going to do it. And he did. Um, I don't know. What did you think of that game? I didn't take a whole lot away from, oh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals are so good. I took more away from, like, oh, Tennessee, if they want to keep running it back with Tannehill, that's fine. But just know that they're never going to be a serious Super Bowl contender with Ryan Tannehill at the helm. That's what I took away. What did you take away from the game? Yeah, it was a sloppy game. It was very sloppy. Uh, Tennessee definitely did not play divisional round playoff football. I'll tell you that. Um, But the Bengals were able to capitalize on the opportunities they were given. I think, you know, Joe Burrow did everything he needed to do to stay in the conversation and, and stay that that MVP-esque season that he's having, that, that he has had this past regular season, playing out of his mind. I think he did everything to cement himself there. To at least be in the MVP conversation, I'm with you. I'll say it was impressive that he got sacked nine times and won the football game. Do you right. know the resilience it takes to get sacked nine times He's and very just tough. keep coming back? Very tough. Um, it, I remember I was talking to you about this game, and you were like, yeah, it, it's almost like Tennessee was trying to give the game to Cincy, but that since you didn't even want to take it at some moments and would try to hand it back. Cincinnati's defense played horrendously in the fourth quarter. Right, they they let them crawl back into it when they had no business. I will say though, some of the offense or some of the blame should go on Cincinnati's offense as well. So putting 19 points up isn't necessarily ideal, right? Mm-hmm. Cincinnati's defense did hold them to 16. The 16 points were inopportune. I will give you that, like yeah. you said, it was very and, timely. Right in the third and fourth quarter there. It, it was it was like yeah you're right I said that um, earlier it was like both teams were just trying to give the give the game away mm-hmm. um, Cincinnati's offense didn't come to play but good thing their defense kind of did and then Tennessee's defense came to play but well their offense just tried to give away the game it was yeah it was a weird it was a weird game I will say it was the least interesting of all the games but it was very interesting that's it was the thing. still fun it still came any down other to the, week that's like top of the top of the card right there it was still a game-winning kick mm-hmm. you know it, was, it, it came down to a walk-off buzzer beater kick and it was the most boring game of the week isn't that saying something yeah. yep um all right let's, how about let's go to uh the the second game that day which would have been san francisco at lambo Aaron didn't play well. Didn't. Aaron Rodgers did not play did not play good enough football for me to be the MVP. I know that they say that postseason doesn't count. I think it should. I think it should. If you're gonna wait to crown the MVP till after, then why would it not count? Right? That's like you know, being in school and you, you learn, you learn, you learn for a whole month and then you get you know, you're going to the he's like, Oh, the test is in three weeks and then for the next three weeks you just do a bunch of stuff that's not going to be on the test. Yeah. Right? Like, why Why would you have the regular season, which is what you're you're ultimately weighing it on, and then not vote till after the playoffs, but the playoffs don't count? It's like us with our predictions. Like, I beat you in the regular season. We could have just waited till after the Super Bowl to announce it, but right. it won the regular right. season. Right. <laughs> but then again, like, 
what I think we split on wild card weekend and then I won this past weekend so I would have to win this week but we're not split so it wouldn't matter no, anyway I won on wild card because you took the bills or, or you took the pats over the bills that's where it was was I that the only that split week. that was right that was the only split we had yeah so yeah. it wouldn't have mattered anyway I still would have been down um but back to actual football yeah <laughs> San Francisco's front seven is scary they are really good. And they match up so well against the Rams. I, If I'm the Rams, I'm shaking in my shoes. See, it, it's weird, and I agree with you. It's such a matchup thing because I like San Fran over um, over LA. the Rams. Right. And I like San Fran to beat the Bengals if they get there. But I don't like San Fran to beat the Chiefs. It, it's so like matchup oriented now where right. like I don't think the best teams in the league per se are still in it. I think some of like I would argue the better teams are out of it. Right. It's just more Buffalo. who matches up better in the playoffs, who coaches better come playoffs. It's it's all that stuff that matters. Um I agree with you. Let's uh let's transition to the LA game. Um that was another one where te- teams were trying to give it away. First of all, Tampa Bay played maybe the worst half of football I've ever seen in my lifetime. They were down 27-3. to If Cam Akers doesn't fumble on his way into the end zone to make it 35-3 at the end of the half, or I'm sorry, 34-3 or whatever, right? Yeah. You know, 30 plus 3 to 3. Then that game is over. They left the door open a little bit, had two fumbles. No, three. I'm sorry, three fumbles in the second half. Cooper Cup won. Cam Akers won. And then the center, I guess. It's technically probably on Matt Stafford, but the center snapped it over his head. And they tried to give the game to Tampa, and Tampa just didn't want to. They no. just didn't. First of all, it came down to the fact that Tampa had to score like four times in four possessions. They scored three. Sometimes your luck just kind of runs out. Like the hole was just too deep for them to dig themselves out of. Mm-hmm. I'm not like surprised that Tampa didn't win. I wasn't expecting them to win this year anyway. So what do you think about Brady coming back? I think he's done. You think he's I, done? I think he's done. He's never been like this like... Eh, about it before. I, I think he's done. I think his family... I I think it's time for him to go be with his family. At least that's what it feels like to me, right? He was talking and he was like, you know, i got to really talk to my family. And I, I've given 20, 21 years, 22 years, whatever, to this game. Like, they also deserve that same level of, like, effort and, you know, and, and time. And uh, I when he's saying things like that, it's hard for me to be like, He's going to say all that. His family's going to get their hopes up. And then he's going to say, oh, by the way, I'm going back for another year. Like, I just don't think, I'm not saying he made any irreversible comments publicly. But I think to his family, I'm not sure he could tell them, oh, hey, by the way, after saying, you know, I love you guys. And like, you know, I want to come back and, you know, not come back, but I guess, you know, I want to retire and be a big family man type of guy. Oh, but by the way, I'm going to go back for another year. You know, it would just not make sense, right? Yeah. In his house, right? In his family. I, I think he's done. What do you think? Um... You know, I, I just think he he had such a great season, and he knows that he still has enough left to be a very highly competitive quarterback in this league. And knowing how competitive Tom Brady is and how much he loves to play football and how – I mean, football is really the only thing that these guys know. I mean, not the only thing. I don't mean to sound that the sound make it sound they've like – They've been playing you know. it since they could walk. Right, and and they've done it – professional it's all they've done for their whole career like it's it's not like they went to college and were focused on i mean they were probably focused on their studies but at the end of the day they're most of them football was their major yeah um and, and you play football your entire life it's all he's known and he competes his tail off 
Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. He got a he got an unsportsmanlike conduct the first of his career and maybe his the last game of his career. It's interesting. And also, I don't think Tom goes out like that. You don't think? I don't know. I, I just think like, had they won, does he come back for another year? I think if they win, it's de- a definite no. But now that they didn't, it's definitely a toss up. It's definitely a toss. I don't up. know. It'll be interesting to see. I, th- I wonder if he's going to put out another cryptic uh, you commercial know, at the Super Bowl. Commercial where he's like walking out or he's walking in, and you're like, "Where's he going? Is he retiring? Is he going to a different team? Is he staying? Who knows?" Um, okay, to the game that most of us want to talk about and care about. Yeah, Buffalo and KC. Oh man! First of all, I'm not going to recap it for you guys. If you didn't see it. It's Thursday. Me telling you about it isn't going to do it justice. You should just go watch it now. Um, it's probably on YouTube. Try on whatever. That was the wildest football game I've ever seen, first of all. Mm. Second of all, I think Buffalo flopped in epic proportion. I think that's worse than Atlanta blowing a 28-3 lead. I seriously do. You have 13 seconds and you're kicking off. And you're kicking off. There's some things in the NFL that happen, and you're just like, you know what? It's something that I just, you know, it, the other team was that good, right? You kick it to somebody, or and they run it back. Or you're Indianapolis in the Super Bowl, and Sean Payton's a genius, and onside kicks it. There's just things where you're like, you know what? We'll just, we have to tip your cap. There's also things that just can't happen. There's things that you just, that are just inexcusable. Throwing you know, picks right to guys, right? You know, getting sacked, wheeling it, spinning it around, and just chucking it up. Can't do it. Dan Orlovsky back in the early 2000s, running out of the back of the end zone for a safety. You remember that? Yeah. That Lions quarterback who just runs out of the back of the end zone? Can't do it. There's just things that can't happen that are inexcusable at a professional level. You cannot have 13 seconds to kick the football off and make a stop and fail at that job. 13 seconds, you're kicking off, and then you need a stop. And the team has 13 seconds to go about 50 yards. And you couldn't do it. About 40 yards. And you couldn't do it. To me, I don't think that this has any, you know, actual consequence type thing on on Sean McDermott. But if you don't think I'm looking at him different, then you're out of your mind. I think it automatically, instantaneously, took my opinion of him as a top probably five head coach in the NFL to somewhere around 12, 13, or 14. I think right now I could go through and tell you that, that for the next five years I'd rather have Zach Taylor, Mike Tomlin, Kevin Stefanski. I'd rather have Frank Reich. Um, I'd rather have Andy Reid. I'd rather have Brandon Staley. There's there's a a that that minimum puts him at seven. That minimum puts him at seven, and that was just that was just the AFC. I'd rather have Matt Lafleur, Sean McVay, Sean, Kyle Shanahan. There's three more, so now he's at what ten or eleven. Because going forward, this is an offensive league. He's a defensive coach, so the game's moving away from him. And you mess up like that. You have to squib that football. You either have to squib it or you have to kick it around the five-yard line. If you're going to kick it deep, you can't kick it through the end zone. And if you're not beating that into your kicker's head, then that's on you. That's on you as the head coach. Like, 
People are like, well, he's not the special teams coordinator. What else would he be focusing on with 13 seconds left and a chance to go to the AFC Championship game? Tell me where else where else Sean McDermott should be on that sideline. They're on the same headset line. They can hear everything they're saying to each other. Where should he be on that sideline? He should be standing right with his special teams unit, right with the coordinator, and then after talking to them as the kickoff team's ready to go out on the field, you should be with your defense and saying, we need one play of a stop. If you make the right decision to kick it short, then he leaves about seven seconds, six or seven seconds, you need one stop. One play, pretty much, right? Unless they're going to throw a screen pass for like five yards, which is pointless. Yeah, but then then they don't get the shot at calling a timeout. Like you either get one play in a field goal or you get two plays. That's it. Not two, three plays in a field goal. Secondly, just first of all, what did you think of the the whole the the decision and and the I don't even know if ability is the right word, but I'll use it anyway. The ability because it almost. You almost have to try to lose a game when you're up with 13 seconds left and kicking off. What do you make of Sean McDermott's horrific ability to lose that football game? I just, for the life of me, I couldn't understand why they didn't squib kick it. I, I was like, actually, I, you're going to leave thir- First and- of all, I wasn't worried when they did leave 13 seconds left on the clock because I figured that an NFL defense would be able to stop a, an offense for more than like 13 seconds. I mean, yes, I understand it's the... Chiefs and Mahomes and Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and every single weapon that just seems to come alive for them in the playoffs. I get that. But I don't care who you are. Going that far in 13 seconds and kicking a field goal to send it to overtime, that happens like maybe half of a percent of a time ever. The chances of that, all you have to do is be somewhat like respectable on defense for 13 seconds. Um, you didn't play cover. Throw. I don't care. Why did put they rush five, anybody? Put five people just playing deep cover and just say, "Hey, man, go." I would stand I would, on so, the fifty. So, so Casey was at the yeah the twenty five yard line. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Casey was at the twenty five yard line. Was the line of scrimmage? You should put. You're right. Five people on at the, the 50, fifty and say nobody gets behind you. I it, think you should have put. I think you should have put five more people at the first down marker. And I think if you want to put one spy on Mahomes because you you know. It's I, I, I don't think you should have rushed anybody. What's the point? What's the point? You just have to keep them in front of you. Just keep them in front of you. Or, there's one more option. You jam them at the line. Yeah. So if if you hold them or get a pass interference, as long as it's not too far down the field, a holding call is 10 yards automatic first down. That that time doesn't go back on the clock. No. So that whole play is going to run. They're going to run, 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 run. And you hold somebody... Well, that's what no, five yards actually. Defensive holding is what five yards, maybe ten yards. Ten. ten. That's going to be ten yards automatic first down. But they just wasted how much time? I don't know. Probably like eight seconds, seven seconds, j- for getting ten yards. That's another option. And then, then there's no time left, though. It's done. It's over. You win. I thought there were so many other things that they could have done differently. You don't. You don't kick it through the end zone. Tyreek Hill's not back there. You kick the ball to Byron Pringle. That's who you kick the football to. You make a tackle. They burn seven or eight seconds. You you force him to field that football. You have to. You have to. Yeah. Second of all, what did you think? I know that you, you don't like the overtime rules. 
go ahead. Let, let's let's dive into that for a second because we have we have some time. You believe that both teams should get the chance to possess the ball. I don't. Let's hear your side of this first. Okay. Um, I just think that we should be trying to see the complete team in in overtime. And you don't see the complete team unless both offenses get a chance to, to touch the football. I mean, think about it. We just watched a defense give up how many yards in 13 seconds. Okay? You just watch that. The strength of their team is obviously not in their defense. That's fair. If Josh Allen gets that ball first, the strength of the Chiefs is not exactly in the defense. He just scored on like the last two or three straight drives. Whoever wins that coin toss is going to win the game. No. In, in this situation, whoever wins that coin toss is going to win the game. That's a lie, but continue. You don't think Josh Allen would have taken that ball down the field and scored had he got I hit? will tell you right now, big picture, big picture, statistically speaking, no, whoever wins the coin toss does not win the game. Did Buffalo's are, – are you and other people forgetting that Buffalo's defense actually took the field? Are we aware that Buffalo's defense in every major statistical category when it comes to scoring, yards allowed, and turnovers was number one in the NFL? Yeah, but they were non-existent in that game. Okay, but and are we forgetting w- that they took the field? They lost the foot. They had every chance to make a stop. They were on the field. Did, I mean, it's not like Kansas City went out there and, and, and marched down the field against nobody. Oh, and let's also remember that four out of five NFL drives do not result in any type of points. Or, I'm sorry, any type of touchdown, right? Any any touchdown, right? I think a field goal is like also one and five. So, Buffalo had an 80% chance to stop Kansas City from winning that football game. 80%. And I would argue that you have an advantage as a defense first because, statistically speaking, you have an 80% chance to stop that team. If you do, and you you get usually better field position than on a kickoff, then you stop that team, get better field position, march down the field. All you need, then, is a field goal, which statistically is way easier to get. It's way easier to get. So if you include the fact that you have an 80% chance to stop that offense and the chance of just scoring a field goal as opposed to having to score a touchdown like the first offense did, so both teams get a chance to possess the football. Whoever possesses it second, then, is going to win. Because it's so much easier to get a field goal than it is a touchdown. Okay, I mean, I just don't understand why, like, okay, like, they scored a touchdown. Sweet. Now let's see if the Bills can do it. Like, in hockey, like, in any other sport, in any other overtime. Not in hockey. It's first goal wins. Well, yeah, but, like, in a shootout, in a, it, well, yes. In first a, goal wins. Yeah, they don't play it as, like, the same format type setup. But well, in the not, yeah. Right, but in the shootout is more... Like, the way NFL overtime rules work align more with an NHL shootout than they would, like, an NHL just overtime where they're just like, all right, go, first one wins. Because in the NFL, like, take it to hockey, right? Each team gets three shots. doesn't matter what happens on the first, like, two. You get, like, you shoot, they get a shot. They score two goals, you score two goals, you move on. You keep shooting until somebody can't do it. So... The Chiefs went down. They scored a touchdown. Give it to the Bills now. Can they go? Can they match? Can their offensive potential match the Chiefs' offensive potential? They just scored a touchdown. Now let's see the true test. Can you go score back to back? Can you go put points on the board and go score another touchdown, tie it up again, 
or do you lose now? Like, your defense just lost you. Now let's see if their defense loses them. Because we just saw their offense beat your defense. Now let's see if their offense can beat your defense. Or does their defense beat your offense? It's so much more fair of a comparison. If, like, why does it have to end? If you kick a field goal, okay, sweet, that offense still won. But just because they didn't score a touchdown, the other team gets to possess the ball. I mean, you're still scoring points. Yeah, but it's not. It's not. It's not a touchdown. I will say the point of overtime, though, isn't to play an entire football game. The point of overtime isn't to just say, you know what, guys, let's just, you know, let's just play a whole other quarter. No, it's supposed to get it over quick because, in reality, there's another game the next week. What I think they should do, though, is alter overtime for the playoffs. Because the playoffs, right, so in the regular season, I understand if you don't want, from a league standpoint, you can't have people playing an extra 15 minutes. You just can't. That's why it's designed for first touchdown to win, because it's like you got to get these games over with. There's another game next week, right? We tend to live in a tunnel where it's like this is the only game that matters. Now there's another game next week as well, and it's going to have just the same weight as this game. Now the only time that's different is in the playoffs. I guess I could concede the fact that both teams touch the football, but there's got to be a way to get it over with quick. You have to. Because then, if Patrick Mahomes goes out and plays another 15 to 20 minutes of football, and then he has to to turn around on one less day rest than Joe Burrow and play him in a, in a game. Right? That means his offensive line, his defensive line, his the whole team is a day of rest and 20 extra minutes more fatigued than Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And on the course of a season, that can wear on people. They already added a whole other game. I don't think you need to be adding... A whole other, you know, long overtime that's going to drag out. Because if you start giving people the chance to, to answer a touchdown, then you could get into some college football territory where you're like seven overtime deep and you're going back and forth right, but then, for an hour and a half. You can't have these players playing an extra hour and a half. But then maybe it makes it a little bit more interesting in a way. Maybe it's more of... This isn't okay, an now, interesting thing. Like, okay, maybe now overtime holds a little more negative value. So maybe we see a little more two-point conversions not going for overtime, not, you know, more more risks being taken because, oh, we could be playing overtime for an extra however many minutes. This is going to set us back. You should like, already be taking like, those risks. Fin- like, come on. Like, come on. Finish you these should. puppies up. Like, let's, let's, not get, let's not go to overtime. Let's- you, should, you should already be taking these risks. You should already be taking those risks, especially if you're on the road team. I'm sorry, Buffalo, but you didn't even deserve a chance to win that game. You didn't deserve it. You lost the game with 13 seconds when you're kicking off. Oh, yeah. You're the road team. You went in there, and you blew it. You had it, You too. blew it. They had it, too. Here's Josh Allen on it. Yeah, it's, the rules are what they are, and I can't complain about that because if it was the other way around... Um, you know, we'd be we'd be celebrating too. So um, it is what it is at this point. Um, and we just we didn't make enough plays in it. I would argue they made plenty of plays. The the defense didn't stop enough plays. Um, no, I I get where you're coming from because it can be unfair. But in the scope of an entire season, having a game next week, this would be different if the game is in three weeks from now. This game is next week. Yes, an extra day of rest is an absolute factor. Playing an extra 20 minutes of NFL football is a factor. Um, I, I, people are going to complain. I think a good way to solve it, the road team 
gets to gets to not there's no coin flipping overtime. The road team gets to decide whether they want the ball or not. This is because in the NFL, like a home field advantage is worth a couple points. Oh yeah. So if you're the home team and you're not good enough in regulation to beat the road team, then that road team should be quote unquote awarded the right to uh you know to pick if they want the ball or not instead of because people I hate that term oh coin flip decides it did Buffalo not take the field did Casey not earn driving down the field no they one hundred percent did Buffalo had every chance to make a stop Buffalo had him in third downs Buffalo had him in some tough situations they got pressure on Patrick but they didn't make the play they didn't make the play they had a chance to and they didn't make the play it is what it is. Overall, though, great game. Great and games over the weekend. Great game, especially that game. Yeah, here's Patrick Mahomes afterwards. I mean, it was a heck of a game. I mean, 17, Josh played it, played his ass off. Pardon my language. I mean, it was it was a great game between two great football teams. And at the end of the day, guys like Tyreek and Travis made the plays that uh, that won, won us the game. We talk about a budding rivalry. We know how bad they wanted it after losing it here. We know how bad you guys wanted it after the way you started this season. How do you describe what we witnessed today? I believe that's Chris Jones. No, uh, I mean, we're going to play that this team a lot of times in games like this. Um, with that quarterback, with that coaching staff and the players they have, um, it's going to be a lot of battles. I'm glad we got this one. Um, we're we're going to try to keep it rolling. we got a good team coming in next week, but we'll get to be an arrowhead of the ASC championship. Yes, you do. Yeah. Um, great way to cap off a great weekend of football. It's going to be uh, it's going to be cool watching those teams battle it out for the next couple of years, though. Couldn't agree more. So we're going to talk about coaches next segment. We're gonna do. We're gonna talk about our, our top coaching vacancies. There's seven remaining, um, and I guess now's a good time to break the news. Uh, Chicago hires Matt. Not break the news, but report. I guess the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, has been hired as the head coach for the Chicago Bears. So they're going defensive. I don't agree with it. But then again, when you get a yeah, that, that tends to happen, right? You have an offensive guy, Matt Nagy, doesn't work out. They tend to swing in the other direction. Yeah. Just like in in, uh, in politics, right? You get one president, then you have to swing completely over the other side. It's just the way the world works, um, especially when you start getting to extremes like um, defensive offense. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then Denver hires Nathaniel Hackett. Again, swinging back. They had Vic Fangio. They go and hire the off- defensive uh, coordinator is Vic Fangio. He's a defensive guy. They go hire an offensive guy, Nathaniel Hackett, from the Green Bay Packers. He was their offensive coordinator. He's now going to be the head coach of the Denver Broncos. I don't know. Maybe he's hoping Aaron follows him. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I doubt it. Um, So that leaves – I'll tell you who that leaves in vacancies. That leaves Miami, Jacksonville, Vegas, the New York Giants, the Saints, the Vikings, and the Texans. And in the third segment, we're going to rank those vacancies and what we think. If we were a coaching candidate, where, like who who's the best job, who's the worst job, we're going to rank them one through seven. Um, but for right now, let's get into our top four NFL teams. There's only four left, so this is going to be quick. We'll rip through this real quick. Oh, good Lord, that is loud. Um, if you guys aren't awake, good morning. Welcome back. If you guys fell asleep. Um, who knows? Maybe you're listening to this late. Welcome back, or maybe it's early morning, and we, you know, we woke you up after you snoozed your alarm. Yeah. Welcome in. Um, okay, number four. Let's go Cincinnati. Um, I feel like we keep putting them last, and they just they just keep performing. But out of all the four teams, they have the toughest matchup. 
so I have to factor that in. They also have the least experience. They have the youngest head coach in the playoffs. They probably, no, they 100% do have the least experienced quarterback. And uh, I worry a little bit about that. This is this is this is high high level football. Not that last week wasn't, but you went to Tennessee. Tennessee is not known as a hostile environment. Tennessee is not known as a steamrolling type team. No. You know who is though? Kansas City. You go into Arrowhead. Probably gonna be freezing. It's gonna be loud. The Chiefs are unbeatable, especially when they're at Arrowhead. This is a different animal. I don't love Cincinnati's chances. We'll put them at four. Let's go LA at three. I think they're a better roster than San Francisco, but they don't match up well. I worry about their offensive line when it comes to uh, to dealing with that front seven in San Francisco. Also, on the flip side, I worry about them getting pushed around. San Francisco runs the football really effectively when they play LA. Um, and let's be real, LA is good, but they they do get a little tight in some big moments, right? They were up 17 to San Francisco in Week 18, lost that game. They could have kept San Fran out of the playoffs. Well, what do you know? They're coming. It's coming back to bite them. They could have put Tampa Bay away in the first half. What do you know? It came down to a game-winning field goal. So they do get a little tight in big moments. You know who doesn't? San Francisco down the stretch. They get a blocked field goal, a blocked punt for a touchdown, and a game-winning field goal. They don't get tight. They play loose. And so that's why I'm going to have LA at three, and then that kind of explains San Fran as well. We're going to have them at two. I think they're, first of all, a little bit more experienced, right? This is pretty much the same core that went to the Super Bowl, right? Jimmy G, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, right? This is the same general core that went to that Super Bowl. So uh, I, I think they have experience with each other. Trent Williams is a really, really good offensive line. But when you're, when you're pulling your tackle from a tight end position, that's a special offense with Kyle Shanahan. So we'll go San Fran at two. And, of course, that leaves number one, Kansas City. Um, I'm not really going to explain a whole lot here. They're the best team in the, in, in the league. It's right. not close. Right. I'm just going to go back with the whole go ahead and YouTube that Bills game. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just watch. Right. Their defense is a bit of a liability. But I think they're going to be fine. Like, I I think they're clearly the best team in the, in the, in the playoffs yeah. right now. And then transitioning to the top four quarterbacks. Um. It stays pretty true with Mahomes at one there because it's Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll go Burrow, Stafford, and Jimmy G. Uh, I like Burrow over – I don't think anyone's going to argue Mahomes one and Jimmy G four. I think you could argue me into Stafford at two because he's more experienced and I think he overcame a little bit more this past week and put on a better performance against probably a pretty equal defense, tight, uh, you know, Tennessee and Tampa. So equal defense um, opponent-wise, and I think he did a little bit more, but – I think Burrow over the course of the season has shown the ability to be a little bit more aggressive, push the ball down the field, and plus he has that swagger about him that I think is just infectious across that team. I think he impacts winning more. So I'm going to go with Burrow at two, Stafford at three, but I could certainly, certainly hear the argument for Stafford at two, Burrow at three. Yeah. That's that's about it for our uh, for our top four. This started as a top fourteen. It's uh, dwindled down to a top four NFL teams as we head into Championship Sunday. Um, when we come back, we are going to do our. I'm going to have a little bit of rant on QBs, right? Because I'm going to analyze those four QBs that uh, that I just read to you there, and then we're going to get into our coaching ranking list, I guess, ranking the best jobs available, and we will, of course, predict for Championship Sunday. So don't go anywhere. 
Hey guys, it's Luke here from The Issue. Doing the podcast, we want equipment that works just as hard as we do. That's why we chose Rockville Audio when we thought to build the studio. We got our microphones, boomsticks, a mixer, headphones, audio cables, everything from rockvilleaudio.com. They have way more than that. They have stuff for your car, for boats, lighting, audio, everything you could possibly need. Find it at rockville.com. They are awesome. Go check it out. That is rockville.com. What's up? We are back. It is the third segment. It is January 27th and uh, closing out this episode with um, with our predictions for the AFC and NFC championship games. Championship Sunday, baby. It's previewing, getting down to it. Previewing our coaching characters out a little bit. And and we have a rant from Tim in the third segment. Yeah, which you is know, it's just a little uncharacteristic, like but I'll take it. A little more a little extra content spliced in at the end as a little reward to everybody who's uh, stuck around to the third segment. So um here we go. Let's yeah, do it. yeah, let me jump into that. So I was looking at all the teams that are left. And all the teams that were left this past even the divisional round as well. I thought, there's one thing I'm noticing with all these quarterbacks. They are aggressive, risk-taking quarterbacks. And what does that mean? All of them throw interceptions. We, our entire, you know, most sports people and most people that follow football are like, oh, interception's bad. Yes. But if you're going to give me something special on the football field, I can live with a couple picks. Absolutely, I can live with a couple picks. Let's look at all the people that were in here. This is every quarterback who made the playoffs, right? Let's look at the people that are left slash were left in the divisional round versus the people that are eliminated. So let's look who has been eliminated overall. Big Ben tied 21st. Jalen Hurts tied 18th. Dak tied 18th. Kyler tied 16th. Derek Carr was tied 4th, so we'll give him that. Ron Tannehill was tied for first, but I would argue that he doesn't give you enough special to make up for those picks, so he's an outlier. Josh Allen was tied fourth, so that's fine. Mac Jones was tied fourth, but he's kind of the franchise guy, so he's got the reins, so that's okay. And then Aaron Rodgers tied for 38th. Tom Brady tied for 12th. So who's left? Who's playing for the championship? Who's playing to go to the Super Bowl? That's Matt Stafford. He's tied for first. That'd be Joe Burrow. He's tied for fourth. That'd be Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo who are tied for 10th. These are high-risk players. But notice how all of them are special. All of them. Stafford throws from arm angles that we haven't seen. And now people are finally talking about it with Mahomes, but Stafford was doing these things sidearm and throwing around defenders before Mahomes was even a thought, before Mahomes was even in college. Stafford was doing that. So give Mahomes his credit because he is great. But Stafford is a special talent as well. Going off that, Mahomes is also a special talent. He gives you things that you just can't really explain. 13 seconds, get down the field, kick a field goal. You just can't explain it. Joe Burrow. The charisma, the confidence, the pinpoint accuracy, the shiftiness within the pocket, the ability to extend plays. And then Jimmy G. You might be like, well, why is Jimmy G not special? Um, no, Jimmy G's special. Um, in two healthy seasons with Kyle Shanahan, oh, oh, he's been to the NFC Championship. What's that now? Twice. You can argue all you want about Jimmy G. You can look up. He's got an 80% winning percentage. 
Somewhere around there. So we can sit here and argue Jimmy G is not special. I'll tell you one thing. He wins. And what's important at the end of the day? Winning. 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 You have to, you have to push the ball down. You have to take risks. I truly believe Aaron Rodgers lost that football game. And the Packers lost because he didn't push the ball down the field enough. He pinpointed Aaron, uh, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Wouldn't target anyone else. Wouldn't take the big risk. Who were some of the best quarterbacks in the league this year? Herbert. Burrow. Mahomes. Josh Allen. Matt Stafford. All of them are in the top 10 in interceptions. All of them. Even Derek Carr is tied for fourth. He carried, carried a dumpster fire to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And almost won them a playoff game. Mac Jones. You could, I, I have my arguments about his limitations. I don't think he's going to be a special talent. But for what it's worth, he took a team with minimal skill position guys and a defense who can't stop the run and got him to the playoffs. He's tied for fourth. You have to be able to take some risks and push the ball down the field. You know who I saw a lot, saw a lot of in the bottom part of the list, right, where, where nobody really throws a bunch of picks? Well, I saw Tua, and I saw, you know... Um, I, well, Russell didn't play a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of the season, but you know I saw I saw Tua and and Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins and Teddy Bridgewater. Those guys are fine. They'll win you a couple games. Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield was actually down there. Big Ben, he actually made the playoffs. But th- those are the type of guys you have to. Those are the type of guys that need to take the risks. You have to push the ball down the field. This is an offensive league. The day of, oh, don't turn the ball over. Let's play really, really safe. Those days are done. Because if you play safe, that other offense is gunning right for your neck. And you know, it's interesting because the whole time you're sitting here talking about this, here's the thing that's going through my head. Is this not perfectly equated in life? to investments and investing in the stock market takes money to make money look you can you can be betting on all these blue chip companies these big companies pouring your money into them it's very safe very conservative bet you'll you'll probably make you'll, you'll make your money back it'll grow but not a lot you know how risky it was to bet on apple and buy apple stock about i don't know 30 years ago how risky that was how about tesla stock you know what happened it blew up you take these big risks you take these leaps of faith and and they blow up they get big you're the first one in you become a millionaire you have to take risks that's the moral of the story you can't play it safe in the nfl the nfl is too there's too many things that can happen you try to play it safe in the nfl any given weekend the, the jets could beat green bay that's how crazy the NFL is. You're not wrong. Any given weekend, the worst team, a Jacksonville, could walk into Arrowhead and upset the Chiefs somehow. And you're sitting there scratching your head at the end of the day wondering, huh, wonder how that happened. Well, most of the time, in that game, you'll see like a, oh, Trevor Lawrence threw the ball 40 times and took five deep shots and three of them hit. Well, he took a risk. It paid off. Right. That's how the NFL works. You have to... 
And plus, people aren't throwing. You have to understand, people aren't throwing 20 times a game now. Like, so this idea that interceptions are bad came from, you know, back in the day when they would throw 17 times a game. And so, yeah, if you make two interceptions, if you make two mistakes out of 17 attempts, that's an issue. But if you're making two out of 38, I can live with that. I can live with that because you're going to overall make more high-level good plays. You're right. Yeah. Um, I think timeliness of interceptions is also more a little is more important than interceptions themselves. Uh, you see a lot of interceptions that you know it goes up in the in the stat category for the quarterback there, but it was one that tipped. It was a perfect throw, went right through his right. receiver's hands, right into the DB that was standing right. behind him. Happens um, all the time. And, and you know that's not a in most cases not a bad time pick. You know, it's it's the picks that Baker Mayfield throws in the fourth quarter with three minutes left when they're trying to put a drive together, and he turns the ball over twice. At Lambeau Field when he threw four picks. But that's yeah, no, the problem. I, I, I agree with you. Um, that's always been my argument about Tristan Jari, the goalie of the Penguins. He gives up goals at the wrong time. It's not how many he gives up, it's when he gives them up. I'm with you. Um, but let's get into our top coaching vacancies. There's seven remaining. We're going to rank all seven. So you're, you're talking factors of ownership, talent. Do they have a quarterback? Um, what are you walking into? What's the cap space, right? Do they yeah. have a GM? Is the GM new? All of it. We're going we're gonna to take all of it into, into account. So let's go. Per usual, we like to start from the bottom. Let's go with number seven. I think the Giants are the worst job in the league right now, and I think the Giants are the worst team slash franchise in the league right now. Um, first of all, they need a new GM. They just hired a new GM, Joe Shane. He was uh, in Buffalo's front office. I love that hire. But that is all that they have going for them. The cap space is, is poor. There's $7 million over the cap. It's 28th in the NFL. And they right now don't have a unit that I can look at and go, yep, they can build around that. Offensive line is easily the worst in the league. Daniel Jones is a bottom five quarterback. Yes, they went out and got good wide receivers. Did they produce slash help at all? No. So we can sit here and say on paper this, on paper that. Did they produce? No. They were injury riddled, and when they were healthy, they weren't producing. Period. I like Saquon Barkley. When he's healthy, he's great. Keyword, when he's healthy. He's healthy for about 30% of the games. Their defensive line's a mess. They have nobody in the secondary I'd be willing to build around except maybe Xavier McKinney. I don't know what you can look at and go... Yep, right there. That's what we can build around. The Giants, to me, is the worst job. Plus, you have to factor in the fact that New York media is brutal. It's brutal. You're walking through fire every day. Every day. So, I'll pass on that job. Thanks. All right, number six. Let's go with the Saints. Um, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have any skill position, guys. And they're $74 million over the cap. I, I think the only reason this is slightly better is because Sean Payton and Drew Brees built a good culture there that I think will stay. There are some leaders in that locker room. I don't think that it should, they're going to completely disintegrate. They've got a good fan base. Um, they have a pretty smart GM and a smart owner, right? I don't think they're just going to completely go down the drain. But being $74 million over the cap with no quarterback, no skill position guys, and an aging roster is rough. They kind of mortgaged the future when Drew Brees was kind of trying to push for a last Super Bowl there in his last two or three years. They kind of put some contracts off. It's coming back to bite them now. I, I, the Saints job would just be tough. It, it, 
you don't have a lot of talent to work with, and the GM doesn't have a lot of money to get you more talent. Yeah, there's not a it lot. It seems of spend. like they're two or three years away, and a whole entire rebuild from being really competitive again. Yeah. The good news is the division is kind of weak, but this job seems in about two years, three years, if the GM does a good job, this job could be attractive. I don't think it is right now, though. No. Number five, let's go with the Texans. I can't believe I'm putting the Texans above the Saints and Giants. Um, but to be fair, they played hard last season. I think they're starting to build a little bit of a culture. They're not down the drain in cap space. They have $17.4 million in cap space. So you have a little bit of little bit of money to go out and get some guys. Plus, you know, you're losing guys that aren't all that impactful, right? Justin Reed's a good safety, not special. You don't have to pay him, so he'll be coming off the payroll. Desmond King, a DB who's kind of more of a return guy type db's not nothing too too special he'll be off the books you get a lot of guys off the book they could end up having a little bit more cap space and you have a davis mills who i don't love him but i think there's enough there to say you know what let's give it a shot at the end of the day he performed better than most rookie quarterbacks outside of mac jones he's better than trevor lawrence in almost every category it pains me to say it, but he was. And I would argue he's working with just the same amount, if not worse, talent than Trevor Lawrence. And they do have a solid left tackle, and they have a good run game. So it could be worse. You have cap space. You have a quarterback that is at least at least worth a look. You have a left tackle, and you have a running game. That's good for a young quarterback. You have cap space to maybe build up the defense a little bit, maybe get him a receiver. It's not the end of the world in, in Houston, I don't think. I don't know. No, yeah, I think they have a couple of things going for them that could end up turning. But, I mean, a couple of the teams up this list, and the the way we went through it and the things that we took in, into consideration when we built it, I think, um, it's weird to put the Texans there, but when you look at everything, that's where they kind of fit. Yep, yep. I mean, the Saints have no draft capital and no actual capital. They no. have no money and no draft capital. What? How do you turn that around? They have you got nobody, no skill guys. They have nobody, and they have n- no nothing means. to get anybody. <laughs> right, right. Um, I'm with you. So let's go with the Jags at four. Now, a lot of other lists would have them higher. And I understand most cap space in the league and a star quarter. Well, it's not star. For sure not star. Potential. But a potential star quarterback who stayed healthy all year, which is saying something, and you have the number one pick. You have picks number 1, 33, 65, and 70. Those are all really good high end of those rounds picks. I can't put them higher because at the end of the day, it's still Jacksonville. Right? I feel like Blake Bortles, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Fournette, a lot of talent come in. A lot of excitement. They get to the AFC Championship game, and they are right back to being Jacksonville. Yeah. They're right back to being Jacksonville. This past offseason, they had the most caps based on the number one pick. And they go out and get probably the best candidate at the time. And they still couldn't make it work for 3-14 and and drafting first again. So it has the potential, but they're not higher on this list because at the end of the day, they are the Jaguars. And they're going to be the Jaguars forever. They're always going to – it's like the Browns are going to Brown. The Jags are going to Jag, you know? It's Jacksonville. I can't rely on them to just all of a sudden have a good winning culture. It's just not how it works. Yeah. Um, but again, they do have the cap space. They do have a quarterback, which is better than everybody else down this list, which I think those are two important factors. Let's go with the Vikings at three. I like the Vikings. Um, a lot of other lists have them pretty low. They're not too bad in cap space. Now, they're they're 13 over. But that's not too bad. You rework a couple contracts. Um, 
you know, push a little bit more money down the road. Also, Kirk Cousins, you have him for two years, so there's a little bit of an established culture, especially with the quarterback, with the receivers. You could come in and instantly win eight games with that roster. And that's the, there's value in that. You don't always have to swing for the big rebuild where you're bad, 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 and then really good. You can just be okay, 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 and then pop for really good. So you get Kirk Cousins. You get a lot of weapons. You get a young offensive line that's getting better every year. They have some talent on defense. I would address the defense, but they do still have some talent. You have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. I mean, you've got guys that can make plays. So instantly you'd come in and at least be competitive, at least be competitive. Kirk Cousins is the only quarterback who has given Aaron Rodgers even a little bit of trouble. And if Aaron Rodgers stays, that's going to be your biggest opponent. So uh, to go in and have a quarterback who you might not like Kirk Cousins, he might not be the, the sexiest quarterback, right? He doesn't throw the ball down the field, you know, but he's going to win you eight to nine games every single year, yep. and you can almost bank on it. And there's value in that. Let's go with the Raiders at number two. I think also you have a quarterback. Derek Carr is more than competent, more than competent. You have $29 million in cap space. That's 12th in the NFL. That's pretty good. You have an edge rusher in Mason Crosby. You have a left tackle in Colton Miller. You have, I'm not sure, a star receiver, but a really productive receiver in Very Hunter Renfro. Good. A really good tight end in Darren Waller. You're not losing a whole lot of guys to free agency. Casey Hayward, I'd like to keep him if you could. But overall... You kind of have the pieces you need. You just need somebody to come in and establish a winning culture, really. Yeah. Because the Raiders haven't had one in, oh, I don't know, maybe since Gruden's first stint back in, what, the 90s, early 2000s? Really long ago. It's the last time that they've had a When a they were still playing set, at the athletics field. Right. That's when, you know, they were in Oakland. That's the last time they've had a set winning culture. Um, I don't think they're that far off from being a competitive team. Now, I will say, the reason they're probably not one is because... That's a brutal division to go into. Brutal. Mm. You're going to get Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Those are four games a year that you can almost chalk up to having. You can you can 100% right now in ink say, I have a worse quarterback and coach combo. And I think, by the way, Denver is going to be really good in the next couple of years too. And Denver has a lot of talent. If they can at least get a B-plus quarterback, they're going to be really, That's really good. That's a rough division. That could be a rough division. That's why they're not one. But I think other factors, having a quarterback, having a pass rush, having some offensive line pieces, that makes the job pretty attractive to me. And it's in Vegas. And so, I mean, that's a fun place to go. Um, okay, Miami at number one. First of all, they have, I believe, the most or the second most cap space. Nope, they have the most cap space in the league. They have $70 million worth of cap space next year. I don't love Tua, but it's at least something to get you started, right? I think Tua is more than capable of winning games. And they have a really talented defense, really talented defense. You get Jalen Waddle back. You have $70 million to redo that offensive line. You have good pieces uh, in the backfield as well. Miles Gaskins more than capable. You got good DBs. I mean, the free agents you'd be losing. Will Fuller, I can I can part ways. I'd like to get Mike Kosicki back. He's the free agent. I'd love to get him back. In the offseason, we'll do our uh, you know GM. We'll, we'll play GM for everybody. But I'd love to get Mike Kosicki back. $70 million in cap space. And you're in Miami. It's an attractive place for free agents. People want to play there. People enjoy playing there. Um, Miami, I, I think, clearly to me is the best job. Yeah. And that rounds out. Our top coaching vacancies, we have the Giants, then the Saints, then the Texans, the Jaguars at four, Vikings at three, Raiders at two, and Miami as the best coaching vacancy heading into this offseason. Again, the Bears hire Matt Eberflus. 
and the Denver Broncos hire Nathaniel Hackett um, from from Green Bay. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's go AFC and NFC championship predictions. It should be a good one this weekend. Let's get into it. Okay, I like Casey. You like Casey. Um, I think this is has potential to be lopsided, although I do think Cincinnati's going to put up a fight when it comes to being able to score. But I would say I, watch the upset here, too. I, I like Kansas City, but... Anytime, I would say, anytime you get into a shootout with Kansas City, you're probably going to lose. Ask Buffalo, right? Um, I guess Pittsburgh kind of made it a shootout when it was 42-21. That's a pretty high-scoring game. You can't make it a shootout, right? So what you need to do is control the clock, ground and pound, play good defense. I'm not sure Cincinnati has the pieces to do that against a talented team like KC. I'll take KC. And... Go over to the NFC. We both like San Francisco. Um, well, they've won six straight against Sean McVay. Yeah, and, and Kyle Shanahan's, or I'm sorry, Sean McVay's three and seven against Kyle Shanahan. Can't seem so to figure him out. Cannot, and he's lost his last six to him. And I'm going to be honest, it wasn't all that close. They beat him like 31 to 10 or something like that earlier in the season, and then later in the season, the Rams blew a 17 nothing lead against them. So there's no evidence that that points. That, that would say, oh, I, I trust San Fran to win it. Or, I'm sorry, I trust L.A. to win it and trust San Fran to blow it. Because I think this is San Fran's game to lose. They own they own the Rams. Yeah. Um, and plus, I did pick San Fran to the Super Bowl. And if I'm going to back out now, do I even have a backbone? No. I can't back out now. i got to ride my boys, Jimmy G, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, to the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan, woo, Nick Bosa. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm riding to the Super Bowl. Let's go. San Fran, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you guys stopping in. Go check out the socials, posting TikToks, Instagrams. All of it's in the link tree, which is in any bio description. Anything that you could possibly need is going to be in the description of this episode. Go ahead, click the link. It'll take you to our link tree. We have little icons in case you get lost. Take you to, to you know Apple Apple Music, Spotify, website, anything you could possibly need. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. The YouTube now. All of it. YouTube now. We're going to be posting some shorts and some videos on there. Go subscribe to the issue mic'd up. Yeah. $3.99 a month. Hitting it's more bets. of an investment than anything. Um, although, good Lord, these are going to be some tough bets this weekend. So we'll see. But overall, guys, thank you for listening. That was the issue.